listening to BAM Political Talk with Bob, Albert, and Matt. I'm your host, Matt Brown. I have with me here, Albert Kramer. Say hi, Albert. Hey, Matt. And Bob LaBeouf. Say hi, Bob. Hi, Matt. Today, we're going to be discussing Biden's pick for vice president. He's already said he's going to pick a woman. We're going to try to discern who that person might be. All right, Albert, you're up first. Who do you think is Joe's best pick for the role? And who do you think he will pick for the role? So I am going to take the cop-out answer and say they're one and the same. I think he's going to pick uh, Kamala Harris, and I'll tell you more why in a little bit. All right. Bob, what do you think? What's your answer to that question? Who do you think is his best choice, and who do you think he will choose? I think that his best choice is Amy Klobuchar, and I believe that the choice that uh, he will end up making will... It's, it's really it's really tough for me to say, but if he doesn't pick Amy Klobuchar, because I believe there's a strong chance that he will, then I think that it could either be sort of tied in the next position, um, Val Demings or Elizabeth Warren. Okay, Val Demings, that's the name I haven't heard very often. Before we dive in, I'd like to do a quick run through the list of who our possible candidates are. There are a bunch beyond this, but... These are the top ones that I'm hearing about these days. First up on the list is Senator Kamala Harris. Uh, She is a senator from California. She is a former attorney general for California. She has made some decisions that progressives might be a little uncomfortable with, uh, but there are a number of people within the Democratic base who would be energized for her joining the nomination. Second, we have Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota. Uh, She also had a presidential bid from 2020. Uh, She is a former prosecutor. Uh, She might be able to get the Midwest vote for Biden. We also have Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, um, a controversial figure, to say the least, in Michigan politics these days uh, with coronavirus, with her decisions surrounding coronavirus. Um, She, again, might be able to lock down some battleground states for Biden. We have Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, also a former contender in 2020 for the presidential bid. Elizabeth Warren would be a way to lock down the progressive side of the Democratic base. We have Stacey Abrams, former head of the Georgia legislature, former candidate for the Georgia governorship, and a person who could possibly lock down Georgia of all states for the Democrats, something that has not been seen in a very long time. We also have Val Demings, a person I know absolutely nothing about, so I'm going to leave it up to Bob to tell us a little bit about Val. So Val Demings is a former um, police chief in Orlando from 2007 to 2011. She had some airtime on cable news this weekend talking about um, President Trump's response to um, Joe Biden's controversial statements that he made to a fellow podcaster, Charlemagne the God. Essentially, we'll, we'll likely talk about uh, Joe Biden's statements later in the show, but um, she came on and sort of got that airtime, which got me to look into her. And um, she is a congresswoman from from Florida. She's generally well-liked in, in her district. She has been the incumbent since um, 
since January of 2017, so since 2016. And she um, has a lot of experience sort of like being that sort of like regular person up and coming up up and comer, if you will. She worked as a social worker, then she became a cop, then she ended up rising up to be the chief of police. She certainly she's certainly a qualified candidate, being a member of the U.S. House of Representatives for four years and sort of having that uh, experience in uh, social work and later in law enforcement that is going to be preferential for a lot of moderate voters that were looking to swing who aren't necessarily likely Democrat voters talking independence. And she is also from the critical battleground state of Florida, which is going to be absolutely key for either presidential candidate to win in order to have an easier path to the White House. Sure, sure. Albert, my first question goes to you. What do you believe are the top qualifications that a vice presidential candidate should have uh, when Joe Biden makes his decision? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's always an interesting question, and it's an especially interesting question now because of the coronavirus, meaning I think the two things that voters care about because of the situation we're in now and because of Joe Biden's age is, one, are they ready on day one to take over? And I think there is going to be some bias towards having some type of uh, executive or national stage uh, experience, something that hurts uh, at least two and potentially three folks on our on our list here. Um, You know, and and the other, I think, is, you know, there's a chance Joe Biden's a one term president willingly and is who is going to be the person who could run in 2024? Who is the person who could be really the. Uh, the, the the flag holder for the entire Democratic Party. Um, so there's there's a lot riding on this pick. Yeah, it sounds like you're seeing this as a long term decision. Um, where I I sort of expected it to be more of a short term. Who can win him the nomination for president? So I, I I think it's both, right? And so you also get into a category of you know do you do you make a pick and potentially you're confident and you say hey I'm Joe Biden. Uh, I'm, I think, up on the generic ballot against Trump right now by six points. I'm feeling good. It's an epic crisis. Trump's going to be the 21st century uh, Hoover. So I can, you know, really focus on someone who I think will be a, a great leader for the future. Or do you say, you know what? We all thought that every that Hillary was a lock in 2016, but she wasn't. So you know, even if a vice president only provides a one or two point bump in a particular state or overall. Take whatever you can get. You know, Trump won by tens of thousands of votes in in Midwestern states, and that could have been enough to tip the tide. And so, uh, you know, maybe going with somebody who could lock that down is is the way to go. Bob, I have the same question for you. What do you think are the best traits for vice presidential candidate for Joe Biden? I think that the best traits are um, a few things. One, you obviously need to have national experience, in my opinion. Um, and as Albert mentioned, and I largely agree with this, not having that is going to hurt a lot of these candidates. Um, I think, you know, we've seen with our current president sort of the volatility that you can have when you have that inexperience in government. Um, not to say that these candidates will have the same personality as him. They won't. But in general, being able to have that sort of predictability and uh, knowledge of past experience on the federal level is something that I think voters are going to find comfort in this election, not so much in 2016, but definitely in this election. So um, I also think that you need to start looking about 
who can unite America and who can at the very least unite likely voters. So I see those candidates. Um, there are certainly candidates on the list who can do that, but I think that that's, that's something that you definitely want to keep in mind as you are picking a vice presidential candidate. Um, and then ideologically speaking, I largely agree with uh, what Albert said on the fact, uh, do you sort of take somebody that, you know, your advisors and your close allies in the Democratic Party think would be a great leader going forward in, say, 2024, who might not be the best choice politically in the moment, but the risk obviously is, like like you said, Albert, um, Hillary was you know, presumed to be a shoe in and obviously we know how that panned out. So um, there's certainly a high level of risk to taking that approach. Um, for me, um, I would say that you should be looking at who can pick up independent voters and who can try to give the party a new message that it has been lacking over the past four years or so, or at the very least that it has been having an identity crisis with. Yeah, and, and, and Bob, I just want to build off on something you said about someone who could unite voters, because I think another part of what makes this uh, pandemic time we're, we're living in so unique for this conversation is, is the fact that, you know, what have people heard from Joe Biden? Where has Joe Biden been? You know, Joe Biden's hiding, and uh, I think it's the right political strategy for him. However, I think his pick really has a lot more. It's a statement pick, right? Mm -hmm. So he could pick Elizabeth Warren and his statement is, hey, likely Democratic base voters, Bernie folks, folks on the progressive left. I'm with you. I feel you. Warren's by my side. Great. Or he could pick someone that he says, you know what? One of the reasons why Clinton lost in 2016 is because she didn't get Obama level um, African-American turnout. I'm going to pick make a historic choice for Stacey Abrams or Kamala Harris. So I, I think that there's a lot sort of being uh, signaling as a result of this pick. So it's almost not even just the state, but I think there's a way to signal to the entire uh, electorate and especially the, the Democratic electorate that a lot of these picks don't usually have uh, that type of meaning in an election year. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that this is not a quote unquote normal time. This is a critical election during a time where either hopefully we have a vaccine if everything goes right and the pandemic is over, but it's still going to be on the minds of people. Much more likely it will still be going on. We will be in the midst of the second wave. Even if there is a vaccine, it's likely hasn't been deployed yet. So I do believe that this is going to be on the top of the minds of voters, the economy, the response, and the fallout from the pandemic. And I believe that this is a critical time where the VP pick matters, notwithstanding all the other reasons why the VP pick matters, given um, Joe Biden's age. Yeah, I think people very much now are going to be looking for stability, safety as, as their choice. They're going to want someone who makes them feel more comfortable right now because we're in such tumultuous times. I am very excited about Warren personally. I don't know if she's the best decision in terms of healing our country. I think that someone like Warren would end up uniting the Democratic base perhaps, but wouldn't reach across the aisle and hopefully unite us with the rest of, uh, the, rest of uh, the, the, the moderates. Um, I think that one of the most important things he should be considering is how to win the battleground states and if he believes he has those locked down, then to start thinking about how to look down the road and who might be best to carry on his legacy. 
Uh, but I really, I really think that step one is get the battleground stakes locked down because I have seen, uh, maybe not recently, but I've seen in the past few months that Florida was up for grabs. I haven't seen whether that's still the case in uh, the past few weeks or since coronavirus went down. Well, Florida's always up for grabs. You just always have to assume that Florida's up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've seen Trump doing all sorts of things to try to get the, the Florida votes, uh, giving them preferential treatment when handing out uh, various protective gear, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I think the most important thing is get the battleground states locked down and beyond that, have his legacy figured out. And Matt, I just, I just want to add... Uh... To build on something you said about Elizabeth Warren, you know, I think it's important to take into consideration sort of reality. And there's uh, a reporter on 538, Claire Malone, she says this often, and I, and I think it's very true that, you know, politics is a little bit of an ugly business. But, you know, there is a double standard in terms of how women are judged. There's uh, even more of a, a double standard for, for women of color. And I think that that plays into a lot of this uh, selection process, whether one, you know, wishes it wasn't the case or not. And I think, you know, Warren is an example of, you know, she's a smart, strong-willed, uh, assertive woman. Is that something that turns off uh, certain voters? Does that play into uh, some, some, some part of this selection process? It's unfortunate, but I think it's something that um, sort of has, has to be said. Uh, with that in mind, do you feel that there are other candidates who might be viewed in a better light than Warren uh, I see Warren as being a particularly fiery, passionate woman who people with a certain bias might view differently, uh, maybe not passionate or fiery, maybe just angry. Are there any other candidates who you think don't fit the bill on that? I, I don't necessarily think it's not fitting the bill. I think it's it's more, I, I think all, all of these candidates are obviously women and as a result, all will be subject to some sort of double standard, right? And so I think there's a question of, Hey, you know, for somebody who's maybe the, the safer pick, you know, because it doesn't have, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. That's a, it's a really a tough it's a really a tough one to, to, to answer. I think the key is that it must be part of the Biden team's sort of thinking. And I just think that there must be someone who's saying, hey, is is having a woman a chance is having a woman who's also of color? Is that an additional risk? Is that something that's additionally a benefit because it coalesced the base? I, I just wonder what type of conversations are happening. I wonder if Klobuchar might be that person uh, with the number of funny little uh, quips she had during the various debates. I think she managed to present herself as a, a pretty lovable individual, even though that might not be the case from what I was hearing behind the scenes of her campaign. I think she's done a pretty good job of presenting herself, of presenting herself as a friendly, uh, good-natured individual that'd be easy to get along with. Bob, how do you see uh, the bias playing out in the election um, for a woman or African-American woman candidate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I generally agree with Albert that there is to a degree in various settings in society bias that favors um, women over men, especially in anything that is in leadership, anything that is um, really, like, you go back to, like, 
the when women started entering the workforce in large numbers in the uh, between the 19, you could argue the 1940s during uh, the war effort where uh, manufacturing was largely nationalized and women went to take factory jobs and started um, entering the workforce. Then slowly through the 50s, 60s, 70s, and then in the 80s, there was a large influx of women entering the workforce. And ever since then, there has been bias um, to, to some degree. I do believe that it's there. However, I think um, that it may not be as pronounced as you think. For example, I agree with what Matt said about Amy Klobuchar. I think that she is also passionate, also assertive, also um, did very, very well during the debates, um, especially towards the end. Um, and as she has mentioned over and over again, she has been able to get those votes in the Midwest. She has been able to get elected in a state like Minnesota on the national scale. She's really going to speak to that critical line of voters. And I really don't think those qualities against her personally will be against, will be in play. They certainly will to a large degree as they would with Elizabeth Warren. But with Elizabeth Warren, I have a conjecture that, um, the way that um, the, the, the issues that Elizabeth Warren um, talks about don't really speak well to working class Americans who have been out of work for a very long time, whose jobs are largely not coming back, who have tried retraining programs and aren't able to make a successful life since the Great Recession. So I think that somebody like... Um, Elizabeth Warren's message doesn't get into those voters, and then you see those biases start resonating a lot more. Um, that's my personal view on it, but um, I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a difficult metric to measure, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and, and Bob, I guess I would just challenge you a little bit there, just based on, you know, you have Biden pretty much uh, adding huge planks of the Sanders campaign and, and also the progressive left and thus Warren's campaign sort of to his docket, right? So he's definitely moving left. He sees the pandemic as an opportunity to do that, both to unite the, the base, but also because he thinks um, it might be a winning political strategy. Um, so I wonder also how much of that, you know, do you say, hey, you know, look, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Warren's ideas, that's good enough. And so I can go with a Klobuchar, I can go with a Harris, I can go with an Abrams, or do you, because to me, if you went with Warren, that would really be doubling down on her vision and that sort of progressive, uh, that progressive vision. I think that taking on Warren's planks and picking a different candidate uh, to espouse those planks might be the best way to do it because you don't have that fiery, passionate background that moderates or uh, moderates leading Republican would be so turned off by. Um, this might be a very good way to handle that situation uh, while also getting her things center stage. Yeah, I think it's a classic best of both worlds kind of scenario that I'm sure the Biden campaign is uh, thinking about. Yeah, I, I largely agree with that um, as well. Um, I also think that unfortunately, at the end of the day, you do unfortunately need to surrender to the current political state of things. And although I do agree that if somebody like Elizabeth Warren happened to be a man in the same position, she would be treated a lot more favorably by people around the country. I think that's pretty clear. You, you can talk to any w woman in your life anecdotally and, pro and hear very similar stories. 
unfortunately, it is something that they're going to have to reckon with. So I do believe that that is the right way uh, to go in this scenario. But I also think that just geographically, you, a senator from Massachusetts isn't necessarily going to help you win a critical battleground state either. So we need to think about like that as well, in my opinion. What kind of voters are you getting by your choice? And did you really electorally need those voters in the states where it counts? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think that focus on battleground is, is, is right, Bob. And I would also say, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the race for the Senate, but there's no guarantee, you know, there's a Republican governor in Massachusetts could appoint a Republican uh, senator, even if it's just temporary. You know, that helped to, you know, shades of 2009 helped to kill uh, a lot of Obama's agenda. Um, so it's, it's something to, that I think is a factor in a lot of these picks, whether anybody likes to admit it or not. You know, you, it will will a candidate win a win a battleground state for you? Maybe, maybe not. Could they definitely lose a Senate seat for you? Klobuchar, uh, potentially Warren, potentially. I, I think those are big factors. Yeah, that that might make it more palatable to choose someone like uh, like Kamala Harris, since she's a senator from California, and they uh, the Democratic governor would almost certainly pick another Democrat to fill that position. What do you guys see as being the major battleground states in play for this election? And which candidates do you feel would be best poised to help Biden capture those states? So the major battleground states, I think, are going to be your quote unquote traditional battleground states. The three states that have always been in play to some degree or another since the at least the election in 2000. That's Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania and Florida. As the years went by past 2008, you started to see um, other states become in play, such as uh, North Carolina and Virginia, which I think are very much in play, sometimes Iowa. And then most recently in the 2016 election, Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Do you feel that any specific candidates would be particularly uh, effective at gaining those states, unlocking those states for Biden this election? Well, I can, I can jump in there, Matt. So, you know, if I were to run down the list, right, I would say Harris, not not really any one particular state. I think she has a, a lot of strengths. I think Klobuchar would be a doubling down on a on a Midwest strategy. I think Whitmer would be would be the same. I think Abrams would be about sort of, a, you know, the South, Georgia and, and Florida in particular. Uh, Demings, Florida, she's she's from there. Um, and I also don't think that Warren would have a state-specific uh, strategy or benefit. Yeah, I would agree that none of those states specifically are ones that Warren could bring for Biden. Um, she could certainly, you know, uh, get some excitement up in the union groups of those states, perhaps, or the more pro progressive areas of those states. I think Warren definitely can help you in um, Pennsylvania, Florida and Ohio, like you said, it would have to be the union progressive strategy and also snowbirds from New England who tend to vote in Florida. And, 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 and I think the focus on Warren makes sense. She has value. But I, I think another way, at least that I'm thinking about is it's kind of like which which strategy do you want to take and then do you want to double down on it? Right. You could say one of the arguments for Joe Biden all along was electability. Right. Part of that electability was, hey, working class people in the Midwest like him. So then do you pick a Klobuchar and double down on that and say, yeah, that's how I'm going to win? Or do you say, you know what? No, I actually want somebody like an Abrams who could help me in the South 
potential, you know, I, I think, I think that's kind of one of the questions. And I think how people, especially again, because, uh, Joe Biden is, uh, you know, not really in the limelight right now is people are going to read into a lot of this also about his as like a strategy, right? It's essentially like, how is this campaign gonna, gonna, gonna focus? So I think that's, that's something that uh, a lot of people are going to read, read into. Yeah, he has been so out of the spotlight for quite a while right now. Biden's Biden is time. I think this is going to be his chance, <laughs> his big chance to put himself center stage and make a statement. So people are going to be reading big time into this to figure out where his campaign is planning on heading. I think that Joe Biden, um, the Joe Biden of 2012, who just absolutely manhandled Paul Ryan on the debate stage. I mean, I was no fan of Joe Biden back then, but man, did he roast him during that debate. Paul Ryan was on his, on the defense of the entire night. I unfortunately think that Joe Biden is not the Joe Biden in 2020. Every time that he does appear in the spotlight, more just to add on to what Albert said, when he does appear in the spotlight, it's usually not a positive appearance. There's usually something that he gaffed on or um, usually something that he gaffed on and it's just is not perceived well by the media. I think this is a unique time because you could even envision the Biden campaign wanting to pick essentially their top surrogate and really almost somebody who would be safe to go outside and be in a low risk environment for uh, COVID exposure, right? You know, and so you hate to make age age a factor in these things, but it's a real part of of the of what the Biden campaign needs to be thinking about. And to Bob's point, you know, I think Biden staying out of the limelight for as long as possible is probably the best strategy he can do because everyone puts all the positives they want to think uh, and they imbue him with it. And so, you know, you want to have that's why I think you want to have somebody who is a fighter, somebody who can go toe to toe with Trump and sort of talk the talk, you know. Matt, you mentioned Klobuchar. I think she did do a great job with that. I think people have seen Harris as being able to, to have done that on the on the, the presidential race. I also think you need a fundraiser. And that's the other reason why I think Harris is, is, a, is a big uh, potential feather in his cap, because she has a, a history as a proven fundraiser and could be somebody who travels the country in this crazy time raising funds for the Biden campaign. Bob? Why do you believe that Klobuchar would make a better candidate for Biden than someone like Kamala Harris would? Kamala Harris is from California, which is not a significant electoral state. Um, I know she's not popular among progressives, despite being from California. I do think that Amy Klobuchar, geographically, if we use that argument, she's in the Midwest, which is going to be a key area. And doubling down on the Midwestern message is not necessarily a bad strategy. If you can do a ton of campaigning there, have somebody who is already proven can resonate with those voters more recently than the last time Joe Biden really um, seriously campaigned in that state, in, in those states then I think that that's a good strategy because then you are going to lock up regardless of how progressives vote. And I don't believe that progressives are an important voting block in this election cycle personally because of where they're geographically located. You're still going to win the East Coast. 
you're still going to win New England. You might lose the first district in Maine because Maine does split electoral voting. But New Hampshire is essentially a blue state now. It's no longer a red state or a swing state. You're likely going to win New Hampshire as well. Um, and then you still have a shot with that Midwest working class message down in Florida. You still have a close election in Ohio. So you pretty much shut out, um, in my opinion, if you sweep the, the Rust Belt, you shut out um, any candidate from winning the presidency, especially a Republican candidate. No, and, and Bob, I, def I definitely agree. I, I think Trump, if Trump gets reelected, he has to win the Midwest, which I think is definitely an argument for the sort of double down strategy. Um, but one thing I just want to, because we haven't talked a lot about Abrams or, or Demings, and I just wonder what your guys' thoughts are, considering that pretty much uh, Representative Jim Clyburn in South Carolina, something short of made Biden uh, the Democratic nominee and the support of of uh, African-American Democrats were huge to Biden's uh, eventual nomination. Do you think that puts additional pressure on him and or do you think he should continue with that strategy and potentially double down um, on you know, two, two or three very qualified African-American women such as Kamala Harris, uh, Stacey Abrams or, or Representative Demings? I would say we need to look at the battleground states as sad as that sounds um, and I don't believe that there's a massive black population uh, across the battleground states. I know that Michigan has a sizable uh, black population. I know that portions of Ohio, like Youngstown, have a large uh, African-American population. I would say that the states that it matters in, or perhaps North Carolina, South Carolina, um, over any others. Um, so if he wants to make a grab at those states, I think that that's important. Otherwise, uh, I'm sad to say, I don't think that uh, the black vote matters all that much in terms of regaining control of the White House this time around. Um, I think that Michigan might be a good argument for that. Uh, otherwise, it might be better to just double down on uh, other aspects of the Midwest vote. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, just going to disagree with you a little bit there, Matt. I, I do think that the, the black turnout especially is going to be a huge decider. If, if, if Biden can get Obama-level uh, turnout in the African-American community, I think that broadens the map. Because as you said, there might not be, um, you know, it's, the United States is not the same as, as, as South Carolina, but it's, it's also not all, you know, Alabama. I, I, I do think that uh, it, it would be playing for a larger map, but could definitely help in different areas and also could help with, you know, the uh, passion and potentially uh, fundraising. Um, which states would you say that it uh, brings into play for for Biden that wouldn't be available otherwise? It's 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 tough. I'd have to, to look at the numbers a little bit. But, you know, a lot of these large states, right, whether it's Florida, whether it's Ohio, whether it's even Texas, right, I mean, the, one can dream, you know, the, a lot of these places have, you know, sizable uh, black populations. And again, it's all to me, especially in this type of environment, it's all it's all a turnout game. It's all about getting your base. I don't think there's too many, you know, moderates. There are moderates and independent voters out there. There are undecided voters out there. But if I if I were the Biden campaign and I had to choose between getting out the vote and trying to change someone's mind in 2020, <laughs> I would choose getting out the vote 
and the most dependable voting block for the Democrats of the last, uh, you know, 50 or 70 years has been the black. black That's a really good point that it's not going to be very much about changing minds this election, but getting out your specific uh, block, your specific voters, just because we're in such a divisive area right now in terms of uh, American history. Not only are we in a divisive time, I also think that there are going to be headwinds to turn out depending on how the pandemic plays out and which states allow vote by mail or make absentee voting easier to not have to pick up in person. There's a strong chance that lockdowns could potentially begin again in September or October, go on for multiple months through the election. It's going to be a turnout game, as you mentioned, Albert. And if that happens, as I perceive it, there could be some really, really weird things happening. Absent that, assuming that the second wave is more under control, we have a treatment, or the second wave isn't as bad as people predict, which I think is the more likely situation, but not by landslides. I think that Texas is a dream. I think South Carolina is a red state, but I do think that as you look into North Carolina, Virginia, and Florida, there are side and Georgia, especially Stacey Abrams would be your Georgia's shoot the moon strategy the you very well could see some interesting turnout for the Democrats in those states and have them securely win those states. Biden, until his most recent gaffe, I would say, is not going to have a problem winning Virginia and North Carolina. Now I'm not so sure. There are going to be voters, because we're so divisive, who are going to stay home even in a normal time. Combine that with the COVID-19 headwinds and who knows who turns up at the polls. Coronavirus is obviously going to be a major player in this election. How do you think that would affect the calculus in determining a vice presidential candidate? Obviously, it's going to be more important that this candidate be able to rally support via the internet, right? Rather than appearing at rallies, they're going to need to be able to put together a campaign via social media. They're going to need to be able to get out the vote via social media. They're going to have to have some level of expertise and some level of connections with their internet game. Which candidate do you guys feel would be best poised to assist in this type of environment? I think once Biden selects anybody to be his vice president, that person is going to get a lot of media attention for a long time. And so that's why I'm not as sympathetic to the whole, you know, Warren has a brand. She already has grassroots donors. She's, she's, she's great on Instagram. You know, I, I think that especially because Biden is going to be playing it a little bit more low key. I think any of, honestly, these are all very successful politicians and women in their own right. I think they'd all be, you know, excellent. I think the the key I, I just want to sort of emphasize is that somebody who has that kind of fighter mentality, someone who people think can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trump on, on Twitter, as, as strange as that kind of sounds, can go on the different talk shows, and also somebody who's a prolific fundraiser. I think that, you know advertising is not cheap and if you can't do rallies you can only do television ads radio ads facebook you know online ads I, I i think that this is this could be a very very expensive election well i think that trump is showing that rallies are going to be perfectly viable i don't know if you guys saw the news yesterday <laughs> but he's demanding that the rnc go ahead and he's demanding that they be promised that they can have a full packed arena so i don't know what you're talking about with not being able to have rallies the RNC's not going ahead. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. But the, but the I, I would say, you know, Matt, the politicization of this 
is that, you know, if Democrats are become and have become the party of stay home, be safe, wear a mask, then there's going to be a little bit of a, hey, double standard. Why are you out meeting with millionaires to raise money? Why are you, you know, getting people together? So I, I think that's going to be a challenge no matter who who gets selected. And so that's why I think somebody who who has a bit of a name already and is so like, for example, Demings is somebody who doesn't have name recognition already. They'll, she'll, she'll, she would get a, high, a, a halo. She would get attention. But do you want that attention and that spotlight to be spent on getting people to know who this person is? Or do you want it to be, oh, yeah, it's Elizabeth Warren. It's Kamala Harris. It's, it's Amy Klobuchar. I've heard of these people. Now what do they have to say? And I think just because the timeline is so tight that that has to be a part of the Biden campaign's thing. Sure. Bob, who do you think would be most adept at going after Pence? in a debate if there were to be a debate between biden's choice and uh and pence oh wow i think that amy klobuchar could hold her snuff up to him and it would be entertaining to watch but i would pay some mean money to watch elizabeth warren go against mike pence i elizabeth warren does very very well with that type of opponent she wiped the floor with Jeff Deal in the Senate in her Senate re-election uh, in 2018 because all she had to say was this guy is against preserving transgender rights and I don't believe in hate and that's really all she had to say. She wipes the floor with social conservatives and that's why she and a Republican governor both won with a two to one margin in that election. Probably all the same people voting for both most part. It's it's she does very 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 well debating in general, but against those types of opponents, I would pay good money to see her take on Mike Pence, and she would wipe the floor with him. Yeah, I'm just imagining the Bloomberg thing all over again with uh, with her just tearing him to shreds. And if that went on for two hours, that would be, <laughs> be wonderful. I could die happy just putting that on repeat in my you know, for the rest of my days. But. Well, Amy Klobuchar is number two, but it, it's lonely at the top with Elizabeth Warren at number one um, for both entertainment and knowing that she's very, very good against those types of opponents. And 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 I and I, while I agree that would be very entertaining, I also wonder how much are these debates going to matter? Right? I could see I could see an environment where this becomes like this is America's sports, right? It's like oh well, we don't have baseball, so at least we have the the debates. On the other hand, I could also see it being like, hey, everybody's got nothing else to do. People pay attention at the end and suddenly this is their impression and 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 it lasts. So, you know, I, I think whoever Biden chooses is going to be a big bet on a on a strategy. Right. And I think that's even 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 to, you know, who who might be that debate champion. It's all it's all got to play it back. Yeah, it seems like there are a number of good options. Uh, it seems like. Warren, Klobuchar, and Harris are our top picks. We have discussed the others a, a little bit here, but... I think Stacey Abrams personally deserves more airtime just because she's more well-known, especially in left, uh, left-leaning circles. I, I would agree with that, Bob. And I, and I think I think Stacey Abrams is much more the who do we think is the future of the Democratic Party. I mean, I think the yeah. Democratic Party is 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 female. That's That's the future. And I think, you know, she is a has ran a very impressive campaign and has been able to, to create a, you know, how many, how many uh, lost a uh, governorship of Georgia people do you know who have had the sort of 
you know, residence and, and staying power uh, other than other than her. I think that's that's an accomplishment in its own right. I think she's definitely a, a, an emerging leader. The question is just, is this her time or not? Albert, uh, why do you feel uh, that Kamala Harris would be a better choice than, say, Senator Klobuchar? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I think he's going to select Harris for a couple reasons. I think, first off, uh, the Senate race, it's going to be so close and you're going to have Chuck, Chuck Schumer whispering in your ear the whole time. And I think that knocks off Klobuchar. And I think it knocks off Warren because of the, the risk of uh, losing, losing their Senate seat. I, I also think um, it would be historic to have the first woman vice president. I think it would be especially historic to have the first uh, black uh, vice president. Um, and, and I think that does unite a major uh, constituency. And I think it's also potentially a way to just rally all of the Democratic uh, Democrats into uh, sort of being a part of some sort of movement, something something really special um, that that could help heal and unite the party. I also think, you know, uh, she's a fighter. You know, she she had that great line against Biden that really uh, brought her uh, to prominence in the 2020 um, presidential race. I also think she's an established fundraiser. Um, and I also think she's kind of like progressive enough. And that's kind of strange. Isn't she like, didn't she sign on to Medicare for all? Um, you know, she, when, when all the different uh, Democratic uh, nominees were sort of trying to go more left because they thought that's the way the party was going, you know, she, she did say and take a lot of those positions. And I, and I wonder, you know, with, a, with how the platform is going to the left, that if she became the mouthpiece of some of those uh, new, new planks that the Biden campaign is taking on from the Sanders and Warren campaign, you know, she could easily be repackaged into the, the progressive, the progressive young uh, candidate. Uh, and young is a relative term these days with, uh, with Biden as your nominee. Um, so that, that's, that's why I think, she, I think she checks a lot of boxes and, and everybody else on this list is, is very well qualified and very interesting in their own right. But I think this is a mixture between a conservative pick, which I think is kind of Biden's style, but also somebody who uh, play, plays into a number of strategies. I'm not sure about the Senate argument. So for instance, with Massachusetts, you have Governor Charlie Baker, who is, yes, a Republican. If Elizabeth Warren were to be chosen, then we would have a seat available, obviously. I think that Charlie Baker would actually incur quite a bit of wrath from the people of Massachusetts were he to choose a Republican to fill that seat. I think that he somehow manages to stay to stay in the good graces of the Democrats of Massachusetts uh, because he doesn't do this sort of thing. And I think that it would be viewed as a betrayal from a large number of people in Massachusetts. With Amy Klobuchar, you have a Minnesota Democratic governor, so he would probably pick another Democrat for that role. But I'm not sure exactly how it works in Minnesota. I assume that the position would then be available uh, in the next election and could be taken by a Republican since uh, Minnesota isn't exactly a battleground state, but is, is definitely on the edge. Yeah, I mean, for me, Minnesota is, is, is a purple state. I think it's pretty much a battleground. I think uh, Clinton won it by 2% or something. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty close. So and, and Klobuchar is is, you know, she's kind of similar to Warren in that she win she won her Senate race by much more than 2%. Um, so there's a risk that there isn't that type of figure in, in Minnesota. And I don't know, 
Matt. I mean, I, I, I'm not from Massachusetts. I'm, you know, some might say I'm from a better state, but, um, you know, I think that, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think if, if man, if it was a, if it was a 50, 50 tie in the Senate, or if it was 51, 50, you know, something like that, the pressure that would be put on Charlie Baker by everybody in the Republican party would be in, enormous. And, and if I were, if I were Biden, if I were Schumer in the environment that I'm in, where I'm pretty much going to have somewhere between a 50 to a hundred day window to enact any legislation, if I'm able to get something done before it all comes crashing down, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my money on a, on a moderate Republican governor from Massachusetts. Bob, I think you have your finger on the pulse of the Republican party and have a pretty good understanding of Massachusetts politics. Uh, do you believe that Charlie Baker has a chance of choosing a Republican to fill Elizabeth Warren's spot should she end up being the, the, the nominee? So one thing we have to keep in mind is that Massachusetts general law um, requires a special election when the the senator that is appointed is only a an interim senator bef- while the vacancy has occurred before the special election. Um, so Governor Deval Patrick appointed somebody, I think his last name was Kirk, and then we had the special election in 2010, Scott Brown versus Martha Coakley, where Scott Brown won and then filled the seat permanently until the end of his term when Warren came along in 2012-2013. So, um, yeah, he might pick a Republican, but it's probably not going to be a um, Trump-style Republican. It is likely going to be a more moderate Republican that is similar in ideology to Charlie Baker. It's very important for Charlie Baker to win a third term, not for his own political sake, but to preserve that image of having a counterbalance to the heavily Democratic House legislature to keep uh, sort of fiscal restraints on the state, which I think is one of our advantages in how the state operates in terms of like Massachusetts politics level. And it's for that reason why a Republican governor in the bluest state you can imagine just won by a two to one margin and then won by, I think, um, 10 points in the previous election. Um, But yeah, it's very important to keep that what the Republican Party is in Massachusetts um, together. Yeah, no, I know there would be a special election in Bob, but I, I do think that in this environment that, that it's going to be a 100-day window, that, that, that election is not going to happen within 100 days. And, you know, especially since the Republicans uh, set the precedent of doing massive legislation via budget reconciliation uh, maneuvers where you don't even need a, 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 a filibuster-proof majority, I think the Democrats are going to be trying, if they do win the, the White House and both both uh, houses, which would be very impressive. I think they're going to have a very narrow window and they're going to need to act on it. ASAP. Are there any bets that we want to pose? Are you willing to stake a beer on each of your choices you've put down so far? I was going to stake a good New York bagel on the uh, selection of uh, Kamala Harris. Now, I, I know that's of tremendous value to, to, to you folks. So, I'll take, I'll take a New York bagel. That sounds good. I will probably put down probably a tall boy of one of the IPAs that I like. The problem is here that I think that either Harris or Klobuchar has it, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm putting mine on Klobuchar. <laughs> I guess I gotta pick uh, the one remaining top one. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think. I'm gonna stake a Sam Adams. Let's just go nice and easy. Nice. <laughs> All right. Thank you, listeners, for listening in to BAM! The Political Talk with Bob, Albert, and Matt. I'm your host, Matt Brown. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Matt. And thanks, Albert. Thanks, Matt.
everyone have a good week